Hello and welcome to another episode of the FPL Hangover Podcast where we raise the bar and lower the tone, all things FPL related. Game Week 12 is gone, which can only mean one thing. We're about to stare into the abyss of another international break. And with international breaks come great reflection here in the FPL Hangover Studios. It knocked me for six this morning, folks, when I realised that just like my life, a third of the FPL season is gone. And once I'd come out of that existential mist... I realised that this season does seem to offer a weird reflection on both our FPL seasons. And I jotted down some notes that uh, offer comparison between the two of them. Like some weird like David Lynch Twin Peaks situation. So they're both about a third of the way through. They're both started started well and have gone horribly downhill. <laughs> they finally started turning it around. And I realised that we've lost a lot of time and now we need to get our shit together. I also have Will Probably Die Young down there, but that didn't fit into the joke, so I'll just skip past that one. And speaking of someone who's definitely not going to die young, he eats marathons for breakfast and he shits out green arrows, my FPL podcast partner in crime. Seamus, how are you getting on? Not too bad, not too bad. What do you think been, of? Been better. Um... <laughs> Every episode starts off with you. I've been better. I've been better. <laughs> well, this one I just mean physically I've been better. Just uh, it was a very heavy weekend on the beer over Munich on a stag with like 37 other wild men. So it's a heavy one. So uh, it's taken a couple of days. Like this is Tuesday afternoon and I'm only just starting to feel a bit better and back to work tomorrow. So yeah, no, good, good in the sense that FPL all worked out. I kind of had to, we watched the football all day in the pub on Saturday and uh, Sunday as well, but I'd say your memory kind of pretty hazy, is it? Yeah, I kind of had to tune out from the FPL. I couldn't be as involved in LiveFPL.net and seeing how my live points were reacting at the time. It was just kind of a more of, oh, how did I get on? Oh, yeah, this all worked out. Well, you skipped over my intro, Seamus. What do you think of my comparisons between? Our- uh, yeah, I definitely think I am going to live till I'm 105. Mm-hmm. So I am a third of the way through my life, coming up on a third of the way through my life anyway. So I think that's definitely accurate. Um, Things yeah, are starting to look good. I think uh, you, you made it, it was a bit, yeah, you get, went a bit bleak there. I think we all realized, yeah, things started off uh, brilliantly and then. Started going downhill quite fast. Yeah. And that kind of reflects life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, FPL imitating life. Oh, what a weird beauty. At least this season, anyway. I mean, last yeah. season you got We're getting our shit together, though. You made a good point. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's coming there. Um, I'm finally back to a rank of one million. And married. And married. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> while I may not... And look, you mentioned I do marathons. I'll just correct that. I haven't done a marathon yet. But I... Uh, Inspired by our good friend, uh, FPL Chieftain, I'm going to do a marathon next year. Is that uh, the same so one? F- no, I'm going to do the Great Limit Run. Oh. Uh, my first time. So I've only done half marathons until now. But yeah, FPL is a marathon, not a sprint. So uh, this is uh, seeing me starting to climb back slowly, slowly catch a monkey. Yeah, two green arrows for both of us on the back, back of uh, one another. Yep. That's seen both of us rise this week, but tell me, uh, you you had a much more significant jump than I did. How did your game week twelve pan out, and where are you standing now? Um, yeah. So what did I? I can't even remember where I was last week. Was I one point two, one point three million last week? One point three, three hundred thousand places. Yeah, three hundred k is what I climbed. Uh, sixty three points. Game week rank of one point one million. What was the average? The average was fifty. Fuck. Man. I don't so know. So many numbers in front of you. I, you have it, you definitely have it there have in front of you. I know, I know, I know. Um, 
You're right, I do have it here in front of me. The average is 48. I'm sorry, Seamus. Oh, that's actually uh, lower than I thought. Because I thought it was 53. But then I remember noting earlier when I looked at it that I was like nearly 15 points ahead of it. So yeah, that makes sense. 48. So 15 points better off than the average. So again, we rank of 1.1 isn't too bad. I now stand at 637 points overall. So 300k green arrow to 1.05 million. So Still outside that top mill. Yeah, well, not in 1.1. I'm not under one. So I'm in the 1 <laughs> million bracket. outside the top million, James. Yeah. Let me cling on to that for as long as I can, okay? Yeah, but it is three green arrows in the last four game weeks, which is up, up 800k in those uh, four game weeks. And I've had my rank since game week six. So after a poor start, after actually yeah, after a good game week one and terrible game weeks two to f- six, yeah. it's uh, now starting to turn, turn around a bit. So as I said, slowly, slowly. Catchy monkey. Yeah, my week wasn't too much uh, different from your own. I got a grand total of 60 points. And as you said there, the average was 48. So, yeah, 12 points above uh, where I needed to be. That saw me get a, a minor green arrow. I rose from 550 to 520 or something like that. So about 30k rise, not much. Hmm. You mentioned how nice and steady your progression has been since since probably after the last international break. I kind of had a quick sconce over it there before we started recording. And uh, it has been a nice progression for you. You've just been constantly climbing, taking chunks out of your rank. I've actually stayed at essentially the same rank since the last international break. So I was... I came in after game week 9 at 500,000. And it's game week 12 is gone now. And I'm still 500,000. Yeah. I think in the... So that came off the back of my wildcard. Yeah. So to rise 800,000 places... Which, when you're that high, you, I could have been more ahead as well. It's the worst thing. I said 22 points on my bench the last two weeks with uh, that could have easily been played had yeah. I made better decisions. Um, even this week, technically, I suppose you could say I got my captain decision wrong. I'm just happy I got uh, returns returns from my captain. Um, and I can talk about that as well in a while. But, you know, I could easily be, what, there is 20, I think 23 points between you and I? Yep. Um. So half a million places, 23 points, that's easily doable. But I could be up there with you had I just made better decisions. By, not better decisions, slightly different decisions. Yeah, but so you- I've seen other players who've had huge green arrows and are like now up to like 300k, whereas a few weeks ago they were like 2 million as well. Like much more uh, steeper green arrows. And I am a small bit jealous, but I do realize the fact that if I had just played Sayunchu last week instead of you know, Aramendi or something like that uh, might be much better. But it could be worse. I could have, like, not had someone like Raul Jimenez in my team and went with, you know, somebody exactly. like Wilson, except for him. For every uh, what you should have done, there's plenty of examples of things you did right, I think, looking at your team over the last couple of weeks. And that's what you got to cling to. That's what all FPL managers got to cling to, is the little things that are going in their favour. And I'm with you. Uh, definitely could have done things more efficiently and as you mentioned Jimenez for yourself that was a shrewd move do you know what I mean Uh, so big positive for you I'm happy that I've gotten kind of I think the big one for me over the last since the last international break was the majority of Lundstrom points I didn't miss any you know there was a couple of big uh, big returns there and I got you know I got some of that action so that made me pretty happy but in general you know things are looking kind of they're going in the right direction in terms of FPL and that's what you want to that's what you want to see but bringing it more specifically down to game week 12 we like to kind of start off the episodes with highs and lows from that week and you mentioned uh, you got a captain return this week is that your high or have you got uh, have you got some others well I'm kind of torn between that and Man United's great performance uh, this weekend because I love seeing United do well and 
you know, Rashford is somebody I uh, mentioned last week on the pod. I thought he was going to have a good week. Um, he got a goal, got a yellow card, but he could have had a ton of goals. Yeah, he did. Um, he had like an XG of like 1.97. He missed three big chances. No, actually he scored one of them. Uh, but he had three big chances, missed two. Um, really could have had a hat-trick at least. Um, and he got a yellow card, so he only got five points. He didn't get any bonus. Yeah, he's one of those <clears throat> kind of occasions where the, his FPL points return doesn't really reflect his impact on the actual match. Yeah, and that's three goals in four games he's had now. So he's actually playing really well. Um, but uh, he wasn't the guy I was looking at getting into my team. My transfer this week, I got in T Elements in the end. Um, I could have afforded to go for Martial, but I wasn't 100%. So to see Martial get involved in two goals and come out with 10 points... Um, mm was nice to see um he's still an option if you know you want to go there so uh that was a, that was one of the high points seeing united put in that performance because they tur- like thoroughly outclassed dominated brighton yeah but my my highlight has to be in a season where captaincy decisions have been failing more often than they've been succeeding to see my captain score um i mentioned i was in munich on a stag and basically I knew I'd be watching the early game in the pub with a bunch of lads so I said you know what that's what swung it I changed my captaincy from Vardy on the Friday morning because uh, I just didn't want to be dealing with this because I knew I, there, I was liable to just get drunk and let my phone die and just yeah, not look yeah. at it and miss the deadline so I just changed up to Tammy I said I'll be watching this game in the morning and he was quiet for a lot of the game so to see him score was nice and then pip two bonus as well which was good because I didn't look like he was going to get any for a moment yeah, no, it didn't. Uh, it didn't look like you. I wasn't sure. I was. I was with the way things have gone this FPL season. I was fully sure. I was like, oh, he's definitely going to blank. And uh, I was actually surprised. You mentioned that you captained him uh, because he was in the early kickoff this uh, game week, and that's actually one of the reasons I almost didn't captain him. Uh, was because you know he was going. Oh, he's going to be all my fucking captains done now by two o'clock, and I've just got the rest of the game week to to wait. Uh, so I nearly changed it myself to Vardy and we both had Abraham captain this week so I can completely relate with your high point but you know do how do you feel knowing that if you had stuck with Vardy you'd have had those extra extra few points uh, look it was what four points difference in the end these are the things you want to you want to pick up each week so like four points and a score of 63 is what's that that's less than I can't even do the maths like what 7% of yeah. your score or something like that so you know, you, you make those differences. That's the difference between finishing an overall season rank of 100k and in the top 30k or something like that, yeah. probably consistently over season. But I know it'll swing in roundabouts. you got to get more decisions like this right than wrong. Uh, so far this season, I've been getting more wrong, but more lately, they're coming right. So it feels like I'm making better decisions. But um, that you, leads me to my low point oh, yeah. that I mentioned. Just uh, get them both out of the way because this is where I've been making some bad decisions, is what I'm benching. So Sionchu benched again. Third game in a row, I decided to bench him. First game, he came off the bench. You think I would have learned my lesson? No, I didn't. I left 14 points on the bench with him last week. And uh, this week, again, um, I, it felt like the smarter decision. I don't know why. I, I played... I got that. I don't know why. I, looking back on it, it's a terrible decision. I should have played him <laughs> because I played Fredericks for... West Ham, who was away to Burnley. Now, Burnley aren't a team that usually smash a lot of teams, but West Ham would look so bad. I thought Fredericks would come back in after they had played so poorly the last couple of games in place of Zabletta. He did, but they played awful again. Yeah. So, uh, And that keeper that they have, Roberto, is 
horrible oh yeah you know me i don't make a lot of notes before uh we record in terms of you know throughout the week but the roberto i actually sat down and i just wrote it he's like do you know do you ever see pictures of marvel avengers action figures that have been gotten from a chinese sweatshop he's like that equivalent yeah he's like if ederson was made into a cheap chinese sweatshop knockoff that's what Roberto. That's you know comes out as. Yeah, maybe he's because he actually has like the neck tattoos yeah. and everything as well. He's like a really terrible version of Edison, and uh, I just yeah, he was. It's it's not too often you kind of look at a goalkeeping performance and go, oh, you can you you kind of cost your team that match there. But. Yeah, so like he punched the third one into his own net. Um, if you watch it from a corner, so the <laughs> yeah. X, from the XG on that one should have been like point zero zero one or something like that. Um. But yeah, he punched that into his own head. If that wasn't bad enough, the second goal I thought was almost as bad. He completely hangs out Balbuena to dry by throwing him like, yeah. like an over, over the top of the shoulder kind of ball that's harder to take down than one that's rolled to your feet. So he decides to throw it over the attacker. Now Balbuena messes up, but he shouldn't be kind of putting him in that position in the first place. And uh, yeah, they're straight in on goal. And it's it's yes. a goal. So And they actually had another goal this out. Now after that, he decided to make some great saves. So Burnley could have won four or five now if he didn't make some of those saves afterwards, but it's too late then. You've already cast your team the game. So Yeah, so I mean I yeah, he he Start, was an absolute starting disaster. Fredericks over Sionchu just seems so terrible now in hindsight when I could have just went, you know what? Leicester are strong defensively, they're at home, let's trust him. And I didn't. I was just too fearful that Arsenal would put would score. I, I thought Leicester would win, but I thought Arsenal would score. That's kind of how what it came down to. Yeah, hundred percent. I also had a Sancho on the bench as my second sub, and uh, I think the fact that you weren't, you know, that you didn't see any of Sancho's points obviously makes life a lot easier for me because it means it's a it's an easier pill to swallow. It's like okay, yeah. fine, whatever happens in the overall picture, I know that me and Seamus are in the same boat here. So I definitely that kind of prevented it from being my low point. But I understand what you're saying. I think considering the conversation we had in the last episode regarding your positioning of Fredericks and and your your logic behind it, I assumed it was similar this week in the yeah. sense that attacking returns and whatnot. Fredericks has just been an awful pick. West Ham have been absolute dirt since then. If I'd gone for a team like Newcastle and gone for pretty much any of their defenders, uh, well, maybe not Lascelles, but if I'd gone for Yedlin, uh, Clark or Fernandez, they've all been getting attacking returns in their last few games. Uh, so if I'd gone for any of those instead of Fredericks, I might have actually got some points back. You could have gone all the way down to Yanmat and you would have got some points back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And who did you bench Sionchu for? So Oh, for me this week, I basically played Trent Alexander-Arnold, Tamori, who got the nine-point return, and Rico. He was my... That, that oh, was the reason okay. I fucked up. Now, this is one of those decisions, and I actually said it to the missus on... Uh, what night was it? It was like after the Saturday night. I was sitting back in my team, and Leicester had already gotten their, you know, their Sancho had gotten his points. I knew he was going to be sitting on my bench, and Bournemouth had already played with Rico returning one point. So I sat there and I said, you know what? Nine times out of ten, this is the decision uh, I would have made, and I'd stick by it, in the sense that Bournemouth were coming off the back of I think it was three clean sheets at that stage. Yeah, and Rico is pretty dangerous. Uh, from his crosses, set pieces, set pieces. He's taking them. So I said, "Fuck it, I do fancy Leicester to concede to Arsenal. I think Arsenal, you know, they still have some pretty top class attacking talent yeah. in the team. So it wouldn't be a surprise if Leicester conceded. Newcastle struggled to score. Rico is going into my starting eleven. I think as well when I have a player, yeah. you, you've got two approaches. Like you have a Bamiang. When you have a player who's playing uh, your defence, one of your defenders." You can go one of two ways. You can go, right, I'm going to hedge my bets, 
play both and you know hopefully one of them gets me you're kind of almost accepting that one player is going to blank and the other player may do something yeah um that's one way of playing it or you can go balls deep and you can go nah i'm going to bench this player i'm going to go all in on Aubameyang, which is kind of what you did and i think that's a braver move and uh that's the way i like to play and kind of go yeah i'm going to just bet against this player i'm going to bet for this player and when it doesn't work it's horrible but when it does come off you know it's quite satisfying. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, you're 100% right. I do like to approach it that way myself. I'm not a big fan of hedging my bets in the FPL. Now, sometimes you just can't help it. Like this week with City and Liverpool, you just got top uh, top kind of pick clashes that, you you know, you can't avoid those things. Yeah, They're there's no happen. way you're going to bench Sterling this week no. or, or something like that. But, but like, I've heard people talking about benching uh, De Bruyne or, or a, well, not a Sterling because he's, you know, far too attacking, but benching a De Bruyne because they didn't want to go into the Liverpool-Man City match with too many uh you know players from the, you know from in their team from that mm. and that's something that also seems mental to me yeah like, imagine and, you benched Mane or you benched Robertson or you benched Salah this week you'd be kicking yourself but you also saw people benching Robertson when they have like double ups and I've seen a few people with Robertson on their bench and if you have invested that much money in a defender then you play him every week, regardless. Do you yeah. know because he's you're paying that much money because he's delivering and capable of delivering much more than clean sheets. So you just play him regardless who he's who he's against. And you saw that this week with Robertson picked up another assist. But uh, yeah, so your high points, your low points. Come yeah, on. my high points, my low points. I said you you took the Soyun Shu one. The fact that you had him did save him from a low point for me, but it didn't save me from Aubameyang and we were just kind of chatting away about him there and that mm. you know I could be kind of funny and pick something odd as a low point but when I was thinking about it this week and we discussed it shortly you know before we recorded and yeah I think the Aubameyang move like that was kind of the remnants of my wildcard not four weeks ago so he was kind of where I went Aubameyang you went Jimenez good uh, shrewd move on your part Aubameyang I don't fought my logic I look back and I go yeah Things could have went completely differently. Uh, but I think why he's my low point now is that I'm looking at these next three fixtures and it's kind of like a juxtaposition in the sense that they have three beautiful upcoming fixtures in Southampton at home, Norwich away, Brighton at home, West Ham away. All four of those teams concede. Yeah. And I've got a Aubameyang sitting in my team coming into those matches and I'm not filled with any sort of confidence. Yeah, that's the that's the worst part about having a player who has this fixture on, who's been underperforming. You just know if you get rid of him, they're going to bang. But then you're kind of going, look, the players that are in form, I want. So I decided at that time when, if I did my wildcard the week you did yours, you did it a week before me, week before, yeah. I would have had a Bamiang. I was playing my wildcard with the intention of getting a Bamiang in. But they played so poorly in that week that uh, just before I played it, that I was like, maybe this is a trap. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I said I don't want to spend a lot of money on my forwards. Maybe I could go as far as Vardy. Didn't even go Vardy in the end, and uh, I went with Jimenez and Wilson. Now Wilson quickly realised okay he's blanked in two of the first games, and then quickly moved to Vardy, who's been excellent since then. But yeah, I've been delighted with Jimenez. I would have definitely thought that Aubameyang would have at least got a couple of goals. That's the one thing they look like they can do: score goals. Yeah. But even against Leicester, you know, I do know. That Aubameyang scored, but it was offside. Rightly so, yeah. Like the XG here tells me that you know Leicester, you know maybe it could have been a draw, but it was like Leicester one point two five XG versus Arsenal one point zero eight. So Arsenal kind of had a goal in them. 
Not much more than one. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't, I don't really know the XGs and X, whatever they're called, but, like, I watched that match, and it was pretty uh, open-ended in the sense that, like, Arsenal were just kind of trying to attack, not doing a great job of getting the ball from the defence to their fucking forwards, and Leicester were just coming at them. And, you know, I think once Leicester went in front, that, you know, kind of played exactly into their style of play after that, whereas, like, now we can actually just sit back and counter-attack a little bit. And yeah. they got the second goal after that. And they were good for the win, but, I mean, I was just... All I, all I was kind of focused on was, was how poor Arsenal were. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Did they have any big chances or anything no, to not discuss? No, massive or? chances. That's the thing. Like, I wouldn't be sticking on this game too long if it wasn't such a pivotal kind of part of my FPL team. Because the game itself, I'm like, Arsenal and I have done what they've been doing for about two months now, and that's, you know weaponizing mediocrity in their fucking team and uh you know it's kind of it's infuriating to watch it i can only imagine how arsenal fans feel you know we're sitting here from united fan perspective where we've seen our team kind of you know turn to shit uh over the last six seven years and you know fair enough that had to happen at some stage but i mean arsenal have been sitting there how much longer than us like waiting for that their team to rebuild slowly you know you had all that those fucking last 5 to 10 years with wenger and then you've yeah, had the this, stadium rebuild and, oh, yeah. and i mean just seeing them turn like this with the players that they have in their team they have some really good fucking players and like not seeing a ball being knocked up to by or, or players not being able to find the easy passes i can only imagine how infuriating that is for an yeah. arsenal fan but look, we're talking about yeah. the Arsenal far too much. Aubameyang was my disappointment this week. And before we move on to the the high point, I just wanted to know, like, in your opinion, if you had Aubameyang in your team right now, would you be shifting him out or would you be sticking? Uh, well, I do have a second. <clears throat> like a lot of players here, I do play like a second team here. Like some people play a zombie team and things like that. I'm involved in like FPL Depression's uh, one man per team league as well. Yeah. Where you can only have like one Chelsea player, one Man United player. So obviously with a squad of 15, that means you have to have one from every team and only five teams then you can't have anyone from. So it is difficult to move transfers. You got to save your transfers and make two in one go because if you end up with the wrong... I Like I had Azpilicueta at the start of the season. So I haven't had Tammy all yeah. season. I'm, you know, I haven't had Mount or anything like that. Uh, it's been kind of hard to move players around. And I've had a Bamiang from the start because I was like, he's I've got to have someone from Arsenal. It's got to be him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he did well at the start. He's been poor. And I was looking at it this week and I was like, come to Southampton. I was like, I actually got to captain him here. Um, yeah, maybe I could captain Vardy in this week's fixture coming up. But home to Southampton is as nice as it gets. Southampton are brutal at the moment. You know, yeah. even the goal they got the weekend was lucky against uh, Everton. Everton were all over them before that point, and like Ings scored from a yard out, and their xG in that game was still not point six seven. Um, Everton first away win this season. Um, so you're basically saying that like Arsenal should be wiping the floor with Southampton. Yeah, that's Southampton at home, and like Southampton away then is. Worse again, I'm sure. I mean, just generally speaking, most teams are worse away from home than at home. So I think Arsenal, when they're at home, can put it together. And I think they could smash him this one. Now, maybe they won't, but maybe they'll like struggle to win. But I don't think they're going to drop points. I see them winning. Yeah. And if they're going to win, then you think Lacazette and Aubameyang are the guys who are going to get the goals or points. Well, what that's done for me, and I'm with you there, I, I do think Arsenal should be scored like whatever about the last couple where I thought they should get a couple of goals against Southampton Norwich and Brighton I'm very confident that they you know will rack up yeah. a few goals and I subscribe to the gambler's fallacy of well if they haven't scored yet then he's overdue it's going to happen 
and it's going to happen. And this is a good way to keep losing money. You shouldn't subscribe to things with the word fallacy. In the <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm going to stick with Aubameyang. But what that does is it leaves me in an awkward position because the plan was to hold Aubameyang. Uh, I basically transferred Salah to Aubameyang while Liverpool went through this kind of tough run of fixtures with the viewpoint of getting either Mane or Salah back in for him. Yeah. And now with these, I didn't really, really fucking pick up on how pretty their fixtures were going to get, to be honest with you. But... I also didn't realize how essential Mane was going to start looking. Yeah, and I used the word loosely there because I think there you can cover Mane with Salah. Still, I'm not convinced. I actually thought Salah looked very good against City and looked really good in the Champions League uh, last week. So I'm surprised. You know, I'm like, oh fuck, Salah could easily go on one of his runs. But regardless, Mane is going to be a, as good an option. And now I have to find a way of bringing him back into my team. And the way I'm thinking of doing it, Seamus, and it kind of ties uh, into the the big match of this weekend is by getting rid of Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. Considering it myself, considering it myself. So you saw Liverpool put Man City to the sword this week. They beat him three, one and involved in, you know, in the goals was, was Mane Robertson, Bernardo Silva kind of kept, uh, his, his owners ticking over. It was a bit of a shock for me to see Man City completely. I just felt like they were out of the game by the end of the first half. You know, yeah. Way. And uh, yeah, now I'm thinking, even though Sterling had a great match, I'm not like, I'm, I wasn't kind of. Well, he had a good match, yeah. Well, I, I, when I say great match, considering, yeah, when you Consider contextually, his yeah. team last three one, yeah, of course. But he didn't look poor. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't no. making me think, oh, he just he's not going to score on a fucking month Sundays. No, he looked up for it. He looks uh, kind of on, on top of his kind of game. He looks sharp, which is what you want from your strikers. But. You know, City are coming into Chelsea at home next week. Now, I don't expect them to lose. to lose to Chelsea. No, I expect them to beat Chelsea. But after that, away to Newcastle, away to Burnley, at home to Man United, and away to Arsenal. Not the greatest run of fixtures for City uh, when you compare them to Liverpool's of away to Crystal Palace, at home to Brighton, a home derby against Everton, away to Bournemouth, and a home to Watford. Like they're, they're better fixtures, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. Um <clears throat> Obviously, I have two of De Bruyne and Sterling. Mm. And I 100% agree with you. Mane is the guy I'm looking at right now. Yes, I'm sure Salah will still do bits. Um, but he's that small, but more expensive. Like, I think he's 12.3. He is, yeah. Uh, did Mane go up to 12.1 or is he still 12? You think he's 12.1 now? I think he went up last night to 12.1. I think you're right. Um, I was looking over it in his last five game weeks because I was like you. Came off Salah and I said, when the run comes nice, I'll go on Mane. If I'm going to go back on Liverpool, I probably will, but maybe I won't. I'll, I'll play it by ear. Well, I'm convinced now. Mane in his last five has three goals and three assists, which is 38 points, which is what? Nearly eight points a game Yeah. over the last five games. Those games are only against Man City, Leicester, Man United, Tottenham. You know, these are, those are four tough opponents. You know, Leicester, like one of the informed teams, Man City's Man City, and, you know, he always do struggle against United. In fact, the team he blanked against was Man United. Yeah, and Liverpool had a bit of an off day against United. Yeah. What I would say to that, Seamus, is it's becoming clear, uh, you know, based on what you just mentioned, that it he's becoming a player that it doesn't matter who he's playing. Yeah. You know, he can score against anyone. And he plays up front, whereas if you watched, like, as you said, Sterling actually had quite a good game the last day against uh, Man City. And look, 
against Liverpool. Uh, against Liverpool, but um, Liverpool were quite lucky in some regards. I don't want to get into like VAR stuff, but you know there could have been a couple of penalties there. Um, especially thought the first, the second goal I thought was definitely offside. But, don't get into it. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently it was onside, and they checked that. But the first one definitely seemed to be a handball. So you know, then they don't go down the other end and score that first goal, and the complexion of the game completely changes. Uh, so they were lucky in that regard. But Sterling starting position with Angelino starting his second game in a row, and Mendy not not playing at all is very wide left. Is that because Mendy's knees are fucked? Uh, that's what I'm hearing around the place. Is that basically he's it's becoming a bit of a Ledley King situation where he can play a match and can't train afterwards. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I haven't... Like, I mean, there's rumours out there. There's nothing concrete. And unless I heard something more convincing, then I wouldn't want to speculate oh, yeah. for dear listeners. But either but either way, you mentioned, like, with Angelino in the team, it he is forced. bad. No, no, he isn't, but it's forcing Sterling kind of... Yeah, when Mendy's there, Mendy kind of provides the width. Yeah. And Sterling can kind of get forward more. Cut in that and he still more. he still gets in a bit, but just not as much as he does when um, Mendy is there. So what I'm asking then is, if you have Mane in one hand or Sterling in the other, which to you seems more necessary in the FPL right now? Mane seems more. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking the same. I don't want to come off Sterling. I think he's a season keeper. I could come off. I have money in the bank. I could go De Bruyne to Mane if I downgrade Otamendi. Uh, to someone really cheap, yeah. So that could be an option, but you I still got out of Mindy. Yeah, he's down to five point two now. I know, I know. Like this, these fucking price points, man. Yeah. They, the price changes are coming in like taking fast. It's so it's Tuesday. Um, it's an international break. There isn't a game for two I don't weeks. know, like nearly two weeks. And like, not only have people been going up, which I get, people want to get them. The amount of price drops is crazy. I know. And I'm looking at the transfers out. There's not huge transfers out. I don't know what's going on with the game this year. There's like, I looked at it, there's like four or five goalkeepers that have dropped already. Like there are keepers that were 4.4 that are now 4.3 or there are, you know, 4.6 that are now 4.5. I'm like, why are these guys dropping? Who even has these guys? Yeah. So it's, it's really volatile. It's a pain. I can actually, the moves I want to make is I want to get in Robertson for Adamendi. You're basically uh, me and yourself are on the same fucking wave, uh, wavelength right now. Go on. Yeah, I just want to go for Liverpool. Yeah. So I want to get in double back up in the fullbacks. That's what I'm like going. <laughs> yeah, this was kind of something that we were talking about at the start of the season, mm-hmm. and now I'm thinking uh, we're just paying attention, oh, man. We're sake. looking at the fixture yeah. swing, and we're going. It's ripe for Liverpool. Let's look at those for a moment. Crystal Palace away, which isn't an amazing fixture, but they haven't looked very good lately. Um, Brighton at home. That's Everton a good at fixture. Home. Brighton at home are a good fixture. You yeah. just saw what United did to them. Spanked them. Yeah. yeah. So they've got three home games in the next five. We know what they're like at home. After Everton, it's... Um, well, Bournemouth away. It's Bour- yeah, so it's Bournemouth away and then Watford at home. So I know some of those teams have improved, but if he's getting three goals and three assists in the five games I mentioned previously against the likes of United, City, yep. Spurs and Leicester, then you're thinking they're going to be goals in those games and Mane is the guy to get them he's like playing much further forward and much more of an attacking threat right now than Sterling so if I want both I'm going to have to get rid of Sterling and so get rid of two City players Sterling and Adam Endy. and let's face it Man City have playing Adam pretty rubbish City player right now man yeah. <laughs> he's not even getting in the goddamn well, team just think about it for a moment Man City aren't playing great at the moment Liverpool are top of the league and they're playing well just go for the team that are playing well it's like let's not overcomplicate things Man here City are fourth yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they're like behind Leicester, behind Chelsea, all these kind of teams. So I'm just thinking I could make those two moves, but I'd have to do it now, 
like before any price rises or else I'm goosed. So let me ask you, why are you focused on getting rid of Sterling and not De Bruyne? Um, well, the other way I could do it, that was the one way of doing it. That means I can get both, which is appealing. But we I, know you could do it another way because it, it, and it doesn't matter in the sense that like... The other way is I'm De Bruyne. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so why are you going Sterling? Because I'm with you. I have both players and Sterling to me is the way I'd shift it. Just because I want Robertson as well. That's the only reason why. So if I want Robertson, then I have to get rid of Sterling. Okay. Okay. If I want to downgrade from Adamendi down to, like, as I say, Rico or Yanmatch, you mentioned him earlier, I could, uh, or one of the Newcastle defenders, if I feel like going that way, then I can get rid of De Bruyne yeah. for Mane, and I can have De Bruyne and Sterling. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have to look into it a bit more. I, I was looking at this last night, and I still had a bit of a residual hangover from Munich, and I was like, <laughs> this, is a, this is a tomorrow problem. But yeah. then Mane went to point one, and I was like, okay, now I have to do it like right now but you don't actually now because he's not going to go up for a while I was looking at it this morning and the same I was going yeah, but this Sterling is... could go down or something no I've been looking at I checked out all of the, the players that we oddly both have now not Adam Mendy's already dropped so you don't have to worry about that for a while Sterling's not too far away from rising Man is not too or from dropping Man is not too far away from rising or is far away from rising they're kind of they've hit the lull now Seamus so I think you can Rest easy for a couple of days, monitor it. Yeah. But I don't see any of these massive decisions uh, needing to be made until like before the game we kick off next yeah. time, next time. So that's it. So I mean, hang on. Have we even discussed your No, game we haven't high? touched my high points. We've gone but we've broke down some of the matches, which I'm more than happy to do. Like we've talked about uh Man City, Liverpool, how they're looking in the FBL. And uh, you know, just to touch on the high point, you know me, it's a bit of a, a bit of a sarcastic one. Um, Lord Lundstrom, as he's lovingly known amongst uh, the FBL community, is it Lord? It is Lord Lundstrom, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Sir, King, Sir Lord. Yeah, whatever. Fucking Mother of Dragons or something like that. But uh, yeah, first so, of his name. Him doing fuck all this week was my highlight because it's uh, you know every week I, I I seem to have someone that I'm afraid of every week not uh, playing, and this week it was Lundstrom. I'd put him as my third sub. And considering he's, uh, you know, the top, uh, the scoring defender in the FPL, even though I, you know, that's obviously inflated, but he's out of position. Uh, even though, you know, he, he and the, the reputation that he's kind of been building up slowly as this season's going on, like, he's definitely one of my favourite stories of the FPL 2019-2020 season so far, yeah. is is Lundstrom. He's, become a, he's becoming a bit of a household name, and assuming things stay the way they are for Sheffield, I'll be happy to, you know, see him in the FPL game next season. But for this week, I thought, no, I have Soyunku I'd rather play ahead of him. I have Rico I'd rather play ahead of him. And I do fancy Spurs to score against Sheffield United. Uh, I just decided that when I watched the highlights, or I watched the match itself, actually, Lundstrom hit the post. He also had an assist wiped out for uh, the offside that should have been. Am I right with that? No, he was the one who was offside. He played it across and somebody else played it back in. So he didn't Is actually... Is that okay? He I was the one who ruled it off, but he wasn't actually... Um, he wouldn't have got the assist. But you are right. He did... He smacked the post. I watched that one. Yeah, the, other than smacking the post, though, he was like a foot away from like steering the ball into net on two or three occasions. He was definitely their most likely to break through... To, yeah. to, to get the breakthrough for them. Um, couldn't believe it watching it every time someone had a close chance it cut away to Lundstrom with his head in his hands I was like that was Lundstrom again because they all look like Lundstrom and Sheffield United they I have fucking to say. do all look like Lundstrom I'm there going Baldock oh is that no it's Lundstrom no it's turn around show me the fucking number will you because I don't know who this is they do yeah. all look like fucking he's their Lundstrom. creative number 7 and he's like in great form Um, 
should have really scored. Spurs got lucky with that one hit in the post, or maybe they didn't. Maybe Lundstrom is bad, but I we all know how good he actually is. So well, my high point, regardless, was him not doing jack shit because that had me on the, my fucking toes. I was like, oh, if this because his effective ownership was something like eighty percent. Do you know this week in the it was massive. I can't was, bench him after a twenty-one pointer last week. You can though. That's that's what I'm. That's one of my issues at the moment. Is like as much as I'm happy to have a, a Lundstrom character in the FPL this season, he's still playing in a newly promoted team. Uh, isn't necessarily an attacker. Do you know what I mean? Like he's more of a kind of. He, he, I feel like he's just. He's not in, even a holding midfielder. That's what I'm he's, saying. Uh, he is an attacker. That's my point. Uh, he's kind of in between it. Do you not think? Like he's there, someone to to make shit happen at the kind of for sure at the higher side of the team. You know, the but more attacking you, side. Of the team. Do you think Spurs are playing all that well recently? No, I don't. But I did think that they'd have enough to score a goal at home to Sheffield United and they did score a goal mm. and they did and should have lost. Uh, you know, so I mean, I wasn't expecting. It was more for me, it was like, look, he did 21. He got two goals last week in a clean sheet. I don't think they're even going to get a clean sheet this week. I just hope he doesn't get an attack in return. Yeah. Do you know, that was the way I was looking at it. So to see him do nothing, it was my high point. And yes, it is a bit of a shameful joy on, on my part. But mm-hmm. I like saving my high points for that. And I also like saving halfway through the pod, Seamus, for this section. It's one you've become quite familiar with over the last couple of episodes. Am I right? I'll um, take that as yes. Yeah, I'm yes. not sure what. <laughs> Seamus, you know well and true what time it is. It's Drunk Tank time. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we kind of put the question out late in the day uh, this week. Early in the day. Uh, I suppose early in the day, but I didn't give people too much notice. Yeah. Uh, we were actually very quiet in social media. So if you didn't hear us or see us tweeting or anything like that too much, it's because I was in the pub all day. As been said multiple times, and I don't know what you were doing. Oh, you were working. I was working this weekend. Yeah, yeah. you were working this weekend. So it was a quiet one for us. Uh, so apologies for that. But we did get a few questions. Um, FPL Chieftain wants to know, is there a crystal ball in our studios? Especially after we did uh, our segment last week about endangering player safety. Um, if players were pushed on the sideline or pushed over the touchline. Um, it happened twice in the Liverpool game. On both flanks with Trent and Robbo, in Chieftain's words, acting the maggot. Mm. So uh, my question is, where did we see that and what were our thoughts? And do we have a crystal ball that we uh, we, we predicted this last week? I got week? two crystal balls right here. Yeah. No. <laughs> if, by, if by crystal balls you mean both of them completely useless, then yeah, yeah fair enough. That's about as good as... As good as I could expect that Seamus. No, it was um it was something I've been saying for ages. I mean, I was talking more specifically on the touchline and the sideline and pushing people over the edge on steep pitches like Old Trafford where you go down, you can't stop and you're landing on like concrete mm-hmm. or asphalt and then into the hoardings. Um but I think players should slow the fuck down if they're worried about getting pushed over or else just take it. Yeah, I think when you're kinda of coming to the end line, uh to cross it in a corner or something like that. Yeah, you want to get to the ball, but you're starting to slow down then because you realise you come to the edge of the pitch. But when you're on the sideline, on the touchline, running down the wing and you're like, well, there's like 50 yards ahead of me, <laughs> you're running full full belts yeah. because you're not going, I don't have to slow down for anything. So you're running full belts. So if somebody gives you a push off to the side and you like the pitch is like going down at a 45 degree angle, like you can't stop and you're going to seriously hurt yourself then because you're going to be much going much faster. So that's what I was mostly talking about. But yeah, there wasn't much in the one that uh, was it Trent did he gave Sterling a slight bit of a push Sterling got annoyed at that but like wasn't much in that 
and uh, yeah, same with Kyle Walker and Robbo. They were kind of cheeky more than anything else. Yeah. They weren't really endangering player safety as far as I'm concerned. I'm more of a fan of uh, extreme f- football. So <laughs> what I would like is for the Premier League to embrace the way that football is going. And you can see the trajectory. It's becoming a bit of a farce. You just need to look as far as the word that shall not be named. And... Uh, yeah, I want them to start putting maybe pitfalls, traps, spikes around the edge yeah, of the pitch. Put spikes on the hoarding. Yeah. So if you're going straight into it, you have to like leap over it and into the fans and let them catch you. It adds an element of yeah. tension and excitement it to the sounds, football match. It sounds a bit more like Robot Wars, you know, kind where there be kind of pits yeah, maybe that spikes. Have pit bosses so that if you fall off a certain part, then the other team get an extra member on their, yeah. <laughs> on their side of the, the pitch. He has to fight King Koopa yeah. before he can get back on the pitch kind of thing. So that's my plan. That's that's where I think the Premier League teams could actually up their game a little bit. It sounds better than VAR at the minute anyway. I'll give you that. Well, I mean, look, if it's becoming a fucking spectacle, the time that VAR takes up and the tension that, that removes from the game, replace it with booby traps and, you know, the likes. I did definitely watch one game this week where somebody was pushed off the side of the pitch just and no off the side <laughs> of the pitch and they went smashing into the uh, advertising hoardings and the hoardings were pushed back I think it might have been the German league because at first I thought it was Cabaselli in the Watford game and that's why he was sent off but I look back and it doesn't seem to be that one I believe it was one of the many German games I saw at the okay. weekend it could have been Bayern versus um, Dortmund Possibly, because I remember watching that in a drunken haze. Did he at smash through o'clock. the table, the the board? Or? Uh, they were kind of, they seemed to be kind of ones that could be pushed back anyway, and they, they all went back a couple of feet. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was. Kind of, I don't know if he got a yellow card or a red card, but I remember thinking, that's exactly what I was talking about. But unfortunately, Chieftain, Damo and anyone that's listening, uh, I can't remember what game that was, because I was like in the throes of... Full on bender at that stage. Well, I think we've definitely covered it enough. I hope you answered it there, Chieftain. You've you've discovered FBL Hangover's uh, you know, solution to the problem that is steep pitches. Mm. Yeah, and uh, we don't have a crystal ball, but we do have an almanac that we can see these things coming. Yeah, that was from your trip back to the back to the past, Jamis. Back to the past. When you found out that <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> I found out that Jimenez was the person to get yeah. over uh, Obama. And that's the only back. reason that you've uh, been getting yeah. higher green arrows. I'm basically cheating. Yeah. Uh, the next question we have is from FPL Rossi. And he's asked, um, Hi Seamus, hi Jet. I assume he means Jer. Or maybe he's just a new pet nickname I for you. I accept Jet. Jet's a cool nickname. Yeah. Or Get. Uh, but yeah, he's thinking best Callum Hudson Adai replacement this uh, for him. His value at the moment is 5.9. He has 0.7 in the bank he's also mentioned that he has mountain tammy doesn't particularly want to go three chelsea uh going into the city game he actually corrected it to jur and you still called him out you're a bad bastard you know, so no i think he means going into the jur game no <laughs> i think it, yeah uh, so he has cho he's looking to get rid of cho i hope he hasn't taken i mean i assume he still has him in his team that guy is dropping like a fucking stone in price right now um 5.8 he's going to cho is yeah what that's uh, weird considering yeah I don't know. He didn't get that many owners in. So it's kind of odd to see, you know, that many owners get rid. But anyway, yeah, he is, he was somebody that was good for me for one week and then didn't start the next two. So uh, I got rid promptly. I got rid last week. I got Tielemans and that's somebody I would, I, I would consider uh, Rossi. I looked at a few others um, this week. Like I was looking at Traore because mm-hmm. he impressed quite a bit in the most recent Wolves game. 
He's now played 90 minutes in his last five games in a row. Uh, he's playing. He's not poo anymore. He's not he's reverse not out of position. He's actually oop again out of position. But he's not oop because he's as a midfielder playing as a midfielder. Uh, he has a midfielder. I would consider like a right wing forward as We're not a getting forward into player. that debate again. The yeah. FPL has I had, We discussed this last year with <laughs> Hazard and Mane and I said they should be classified as forwards. But okay, let's not get into it. He's playing um, as a right wing forward. Super advanced creating a lot of chances um he's well i say that this is what put me off him he's not creating a ton of chances no it's his price point though is what's really attractive about him yeah i looked at the stats he's only 5.2 i looked at the stats because i was like this guy seems to be creating a lot of chances he's got an assist this week um he seems to be playing really well the manager's saying good things about him he's got called up to the spain squad he's actually had to reject that uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got an injury that he's managing, so he says he can't show up this time. And there's also dispute. I think um, oh, some Mali. other is it Mali? Mali some other country yeah. anyway. It wants him to represent them, right. and Spain want him to represent them, which is odd because I thought Spain would have so many good players that they could call up. But I guess he's look. My point is he's looking much better than last year. He's looking much better uh, as an FPL option than he was six weeks ago. Shams. Yeah, like we've both talked about him a couple of times since the season began, and. You know, as we were saying, he was kind of uh, playing in this wing back role with the potential to be moved as a wing forward, and he seems to have nailed like with Doherty coming back and playing uh, as as that kind of wing back. He seems to have been pushed forward, which does make him a bit of an option because I know we had a question in the drunk tank a couple of episodes ago, and I kind of went off on how he wasn't one, and yeah, no, I've completely kind of changed my mind in the sense that like you know he's becoming an option for the price point, but you're right in the sense of. He isn't delivering shit tons of attacking returns, but you know, he, for someone like me who has Yarmolenko in the squad, yeah, six million. I'm not really too sure where I can go. I could look at the likes of McGinn. Yeah, you talked yeah. about he's a five point eight at the moment. He's a nice fixture this week at home to Newcastle, but after that, he's away to Man United, away to Chelsea, at home to Leicester, and away to Sheffield. They're four tough fixtures. If you they ask are. Me. They are. I mean, I actually think I was like I was full on kind of going to say. Consider Traore until I looked at the stats. He's he's created 12 chances this season. Kind of middle of the road for midfielders, especially in attacking positions. He's creating some chances. He's putting better balls into the box. Um, he's making slightly better decisions. But he does remind me of... Um, he does remind me of... Actually, that Newcastle guy. Maximim. Yeah. That yeah. guy. Again, lightning fast. is exciting when he gets on the ball. You want him to do stuff. And he's just as likely to score two goals in one game as he is to go 15 games without getting any attacking returns. He seems like a small bit of a headless chicken. But he does look better than last season. And I'm reserving judgment on Maximim till I see a bit more of him. Because yeah. he does look good. He smacked the bar this week. He got an assist, actually. Yeah. Um, but, but these kind of players seem like good fifth player options. Um, he's only uh, Traore's only created two big chances created this season so that's not a whole lot I mean I guess I just think if you had Cantwell and you had a few extra million in the bank I'd consider upgrading him and giving him a go that way but for a fourth midfielder I think there's better options I'd rather go Tielemans who's got excellent fixtures as well that's who I won it last week he got an assist for me six points for somebody who cost 6.6 million is uh, is perfect as far as I'm concerned and uh, yeah if you don't have Madison um, and you can't reach for him, then go for him. I mean, obviously the best options are Martial, uh, Madison. Uh, who else would fit into that bracket? Well, they're, well, they're kind of out of reach, like yeah, you're saying, if, in if terms you, of uh, 
price point, but we did the maths before we answered the question, and you he, you do have just enough to go to elements. So he could be, you know, the way out of it, but you mentioned Seamus, like him as a fifth mid, uh, midfielder, not so, um, so much as a fourth. I think that very much depends on how, how you're kind of playing structure-wise. Like if you're playing four to back every week, say you've got the two Liverpool full-backs and you're playing with a Sayunchu or a Tamori and you're playing a 4-3-3, then maybe the fourth midfielder slot becomes a little less significant. Maybe that fifth mil- fifth midfielder slot is the one that used to be, you know, your throwaway defender. True. Do you know, that's the way I'm looking at it now, because I'm in a similar enough position, Rossi, and uh, I don't have Cho, but I do have Yarmolenko, and he's providing uh, kind of the same dilemma for me. Didn't start this week again. He, he only start. came on when uh, Lanzini got injured. Now, luckily, he got 70 minutes for you that way, but... Oh, he was a close runner for my low point of the week. Uh, him not playing, like, he was... You know yourself, we don't have too many differentials between our teams, so the ones that we do have, I like to, you know, keep a kind of closer eye on, mm. and Yarmolenko was one of them for the last couple of weeks and for some reason he seems to have lost his fucking place in the starting team even though of all the West Ham matches I've seen this season he seems one of the most attacking fucking players uh, like one that can actually create something so why he's not starting is a bit beyond me yeah. did get lucky this week in that he got more than 60 minutes yeah, yeah. no I, I think you're right I'll throw out one more name um, for, <clears throat> for a similar price bracket which would be actually did you say Hudson Dice dropped to 5.8 I think so was yeah. that last night yeah that's the case, then he may not be able to afford them. I hope he still can. But if you cannot afford Tielemans because of price rises, uh, uh, who's it? Rossi asked Rossi, the question. Yeah. Um, consider McNeil for Burnley. He's one who's interesting for six million. He's been priced about right. I was hoping this season he'd be five point five. Hasn't really gotten much interest because of his price, but he's actually been delivering. He's got five assists this season. He's got twenty points in his last four games which includes one goal and two assists. So he's kind of returning five points a game for six million. That's pretty good. He is, Seamus, but when you look at these fixtures, okay, I know he's away to Watford next week, not the worst, but you've got to bear in mind here that this is Burnley away to Watford. They're not exactly a high-scoring team. So away to Watford, who have shored up a little bit uh, defensively, then at home to Crystal Palace before Man City and Spurs. And yeah, you know but I mean? if they're going to get goals, it's going to be from set pieces and... He takes his fair share of set pieces. Now, he doesn't take corners. Westwood will take corners. But he takes um, free kicks that are kind of uh, middle of the park, kind of, that he can whip into the box. And, like, Barnes and Wood... Sip a beer for the working man. Sip a beer. But Barnes and Wood um, are the sort of players that thrive on that kind of service. And even... Um, What's his face? Tarkowski and Ben Mee like to get on the end of balls. And that's why he's getting assists. And if they're going to score against Man City, if they're going to score against Spurs, it will be set pieces. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I would point, And I would like to kind of maybe emphasize your point a bit more. I do think with the returning players for Burnley this week and over the last couple of weeks, you've seen Wood shake off that injury. Barnes has shown a bit of form. He banged in a goal this weekend. You've seen Westwood come back into the team and McNeil, who was out injured for a while. So Burnley do look a bit of a stronger unit than they were for maybe the last three to four weeks. So, yeah, you might be onto something. I still think six million for a Burnley midfielder is a bit pricey. It seems a bit pricey, but if like you've got a six million player, like you've got Yarmolenko, he's not playing. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Rossi and myself had Hudson-Odoi, who isn't playing. If you can get a six million midfielder who is playing and is like super offering super attacking threat for them, because if you watch the game this week, he also had a goal, uh, sorry, excuse me, an assist disallowed. And anytime I've watched Burnley the last few weeks, 
McNeil seems to be the guy that's creating the chances. I'm with you in terms of football wise. I actually quite like McNeil. I think he's a, he's a he's a strong asset for the Burnley team. Not convinced FPL wise. I will throw out another name onto your list there, Seamus. And he's someone that we mentioned a bit. Uh, he got his first start in the last three or four weeks this weekend against United. Now they did get trounced, but that's a uh, Trossard, Seamus. Yeah, five point eight million, same price as Cho is right now. Now Brighton have. Like you mentioned, City and Spurs being tough for Burnley. Brighton have Leicester, Liverpool and Arsenal in the next three. Is that enough to put you off of Brighton assets right now? It is now? right now. It's probably the only reason I haven't mentioned him. Um, I spoke about him last week that I was considering him as an option. Uh, but it was really for that one game, this game day. Who did they just play? Man United. Oh, yeah, United. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, the game before that, they played Norwich. Yeah. That was the game I was considering. Hmm, maybe uh, he could be a good option. Um but against United, I was like, yeah, they could do something. But I, like, colour me not impressed with their performance against United. I'm kind of like, they're still a bit too up and down. Um, yeah, Leicester are, is probably as tough a fixture as you're going to have uh, at this uh, moment in time. Then followed, followed by, by Liverpool. <laughs> whatever whatever about Arsenal. But after that, I'd consider them. But if you're looking this week, at least... He started this week, did he? Trossard started this week, yeah. If he's starting games, which I think he's going to start every game, yeah. um, then... For six million, having my team, I'd probably, yeah. But with the fixtures, I'd still think McNeil matches Trossard over the next four. Yeah, fair enough. So. Yeah. Fair enough. Look, thanks to everyone that sent in some questions for the drunk tank. Uh, they really make this show what it is, Seamus. Do you know that? Yeah. Well, look, it's just kind of these are the players that everyone's thinking about because Mount is another player that's falling into those points. And if look, if you're looking at getting rid of Mounts. And you have that bit extra, you have 0.7 in the bank, then maybe you can get as far as Madison or maybe you can get to Martial. Well, amount is a big issue this week uh, in terms of you're seeing a lot of people kind of talking about shipping him out. He has gone through a bit of a quiet patch. What are your thoughts on Mount? My thoughts on Mount after watching the Chelsea game and watching like the Chelsea highlights and, and extended highlights for the last two weeks is that Pulisic looks a much better attacking FPL option. So He's like super threatening. Going from Cho to Pulisic? Or do you not think that's you oh, know, devil to deep blue sea there? I would definitely go show with Pulisic if you can afford it, but he hasn't got the money for it. Uh, Rossi hasn't, but because um, I think Pulisic now is seven point, I think he's gone back up to seven point four. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, so he's he's really expensive, but if you can go from Mount to Pulisic, that's uh, that's a better move. They're sideways moves. I don't like recommending them. These are the kind of things I would do on a wild card, or if I had two free transfers and I had no obvious areas of, to upgrade, I was. Definitely be. I know. I wouldn't be advocating the show to Pulisic anyway because uh, I just think it is too much of a risk in the sense that Hudson Doy is going to take minutes from Pulisic, and it's the same way around. They like they're both looking. Maybe. They both look really, really good. Yeah. I mean, even Hudson Doy looks great when he comes on. I think it's a matter of who uh, gets arrested in the Europa League, who plays in the Europa League, who gets the, the seventy-minute match at the weekend and scores two goals. You know that kind of way. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, Pulisic is on fire and uh, anyone that had him is laughing. I feel like it could be a you missed a boat situation and as soon as you get him in now, it goes back to Hudson-Odoi kind of getting minutes. That's what I was thinking this week. I could have gone for Pulisic last week. Um, no. I can't, couldn't afford to it now because he's gone up in price and things like that. But didn't really consider him. I was like, I probably just missed the boat. He did look really good when he got that hat trick. He took it really well. But like, I watched that entire Chelsea game and... Pulisic look like the guy most likely to score more likely than yeah. Tammy Abraham he also wants to score a lot you see every time he cuts in he wants <clears> to get that shot away uh, which you know some people like kind of maybe Chelsea fans would be a little irritated at that. they're going to like lay it off there's a few ones where he could have laid it off but no he wants to shoot he wants to score and I'm, that's yeah, what you want I'm kind of 
thinking that by the end of the season, this could be a guy that could be, you know, 15 goals, 10 assists kind of thing. He could he could be that explosive. Yeah. Um, now, he may not. He could just drift away. But I'm like, after a hat trick, I was like, okay, let's not get carried away with ourselves. But after a couple of games more watching, I'm like, this guy could legitimately continue this form and just keep banging the goals. Yeah, you could be on something. Now, this is a pair of folks where we would usually go into ball to the wall. But as it's international break week, we're going to save that up for the next episode. And that way we can give you our scores from game week 12 and what we think might happen for game week 13. But that does leave us a little bit of extra time for the update of our mini league. And that's the FBL Hangover Podcast Mini League, Seamus. I'm assuming you have all the facts and figures right there in front of you. I do. I have them here. What I'm going to do, first of all, is just going to give a shout out to our manager of the week, which this week is Alan Jennings. He got 95 points. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, which has moved him up into our top 10. Uh, He's had a few good, strong weeks. He brought in Jerry D this week. Jerry Delafeu for Watford, uh, who got a goal and an assist and the Max Bones. Um, He's only blanked this week with Sterling. He captained Martial. He also had Harry Wilson, who scored and Aurier who like was a defender who did nothing but got two bonus so like literally Sterling was the only one who did, did nothing from actually that reminds me the whole Matty Ryan getting bonus points against United what the fuck is that that about? pissed me off as well that pissed me see, off you can see the three goals yeah he made it some it didn't look great I mean yeah he made some saves it's like if you have 50 shots coming at you you're going to make some decent saves all the saves were when they were already three yeah. goals down it's like that's like you those save points should count for less because it's kind of like okay like what are you preventing like preventing a 4-1 here yeah. it's not like they came back into the game Ugh. yeah that was annoying but I guess make save points it just was more a failure of United's attackers to turn in any meaningfully positive BPS Rashford missing sitters doesn't help Yeah, you know and look I'm sorry for stepping on your toes Mr. Jennings I didn't mean to congratulations 95 points uh, is a fucking massive week mm-hmm. uh, I believe David Grant is still top of our, our mini league is he? <sighs> Let me get there. Man, you're taking there. so goddamn long. I haven't even started. Okay, I'll just run through it. Yeah, I'll go from the start so you've let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, Bearded Bozos are still top. David Grant, uh, 762 points after scoring 77 points this week. Uh, and second, you got Anthony Clark. Third, Luke Burgess. Fourth, Paul Galloway. Fifth, David Sexton is after climbing back up the, the rank again. He's also started making an appearance back on FPL Twitter after a bit of an absence. Um, sixth, Charlie Bennett. Seven is Alan Jennings, who was our manager of the week. Eight, Tom Ariarty. Nine, Steve Lavin. And ten is Eric Braspenning. Eric Braspenning. man that sat on the top multiple times so far this season, is now over 50 points from the top. It just goes to show how quickly things can change. It's a tough league, man. I mean, yeah. I got green arrows in all but two mini leagues this week and one was our own yeah yeah so I went from 40 down to 42nd but um, mostly greens everywhere else fair enough fair enough enough. look we're going to leave it there folks I hope you enjoyed this week's episode next week we're going to have a bit of a surprise we're going to have the return of the stable boys we're going to reach out and hopefully get uh, get some you know some contributions from other members of the FPL community and seeing what former FPL players would have their uh, you know would, would make their stable boy list so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that we'll be back with that one next week if you want to reach out to us and drop us a line you can get us on Twitter at FPL Hangover you can also get us on Gmail at FPL Hangover at gmail.com Seamus you're on Twitter yeah I'm at FPL Drunk yeah and you are most of the time, you're you're pretty polite on it, but every now and again, I know you tend to get a little bit rowdy. Get a little bit rowdy. So we do here at FPL Hangover. Depends how United are doing in the Champions League or how 
Ireland are doing in the international break. Yeah, that's going to be one to keep an eye out for. I hope you all enjoy the international break. Take a take a step back, Seamus. Wish everyone a good one. Yeah. Mind your boys agree. God bless.